Hey, this is Alex Moore, lead pastor of New Life Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri. Thanks for taking time to listen to this message. For more information or to donate, visit newlifekc.com. We are in our last week of our teaching series called Your Best Yes, and today is a special Sunday because today is Communion Sunday. So hopefully when you came in today, you received one of these all-in-one communion packs. Uh, It's got the juice there on the top of it is the bread. If you did not, we're going to have our usher, Rick, come down. And as he walks back down the aisle, if you didn't get one of those, just raise your hand. He'll make sure that you have those. And for those who are joining us online, we thank you guys for being with us. And we want you to fully participate in our service. And so we invite you right now to go to the kitchen uh, to find some elements. You got some bread in there. Uh, If you got some juice, if you got some Gatorade, you got some water, it doesn't really matter what the elements are because the significant thing is what those food items are represent. And so we would love for you to participate with us in that. So if you have those, we're going to take those. We're going to set them aside. We're going to take communion at the end of the service. We just want to make sure that you are ready, that you are prepared. Now, some of you may be here and you may be like, I don't... um, you know, I don't really know what communion's about. Like, uh, maybe you're just coming back to church. Maybe you're exploring your faith. And even for all of us, if you've grown up in church, sometimes communion can be this ritual, this thing that we go through the motions and that we do, but it sometimes can lose its meaning. What is the significance of it? Sure, uh, we do it in the church. It's a tradition, but why do we do this? And so I just want to take a minute before we get into the message to talk about why we take communion. You guys game for that? So this is like a mini sermon. Like it's not the real sermon. It's the mini sermon before the sermon. So here's what we know is that when Jesus was on the earth, he invited these people to follow him. Uh, He was the son of God. And as you know, he lived a perfect life. He died three days later. He was resurrected. When he was with his disciples, he never asked them to remember his birth. Now, I don't know about you, I love Christmas, and I love celebrating his birth, but Jesus never asked for us to celebrate his birth. Instead, what he instructed us to do is to remember his death. See, we are saved from our sins, not because of Jesus' life, not because of Jesus' teachings, we're saved from our sins because of Jesus' death and what it represents. And so Jesus, as he knew that his time was coming, that he was going to be betrayed, that he was going to be crucified, he had a little object lesson. And we all love object lessons with his disciples. And what he did is he took some common things that were a part of that world then, that are still a part of our world today, and he taught them that these items are going to represent something bigger. And he wanted them to get this. And of course, those items that he used were bread and wine. And so when we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26, we'll put the verse on the screen so you can follow along. It says this, that on the night when he, Jesus, was betrayed, you remember who betrayed him, anybody? Judas, Judas. yeah. Not a popular name in our culture, is it? No, no. <laughs> Don't name your kid Judas. Um, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said this, is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death 
until he comes again. Four things we can pull from this, just real quick. Number one, communion is a simple act. It's not an elaborate ceremony. He just took bread. He, he didn't take lasagna. That would be a little bit more complicated, right? Like, oh man, it's time for communion again. It's, who's baking the lasagna, you know? Who's got, no, no, it was just bread. It was a common food item. It was something that was simple. He, he, he took the bread. Number two, communion, it's, it's to be a reminder. It's a, a memory tool for us that we're to do this in remembrance of him, that as we approach communion, this is to recall in our minds to remember who he is and what he represented. Number three, it's also a symbol. And we say, well, yeah, I get it. The bread's his body and the, the blood is, is uh, represented by the cup. But, but when we look at the scripture here, the symbol is for a new covenant between God and his people. Uh, the reason that we have two parts of our, our Bible, we have an Old Testament and a New Testament, is because there was a new covenant established. There was the old covenant that was given to Moses, but now this is the new covenant that was initiated and made available to us through the death of Jesus, through the shedding of his blood. So as we partake of this, we're saying, yeah, we are under a new covenant, a covenant of grace, of forgiveness, of new life that's available to us through Jesus. And, and finally, it is a statement of faith, that when we partake of communion, we are declaring, we are announcing, we are proclaiming the Lord's death, as we read in that verse. It's a statement of faith. And what does it say there? For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And that's the good news, right? Like we're getting ready to enter into an election year and I know you all are so excited. You just can't wait for your phone to be ringing and for all the commercials and all the fun. Yeah, I'm so glad God's coming back because when he comes back, he's gonna rule, he's gonna reign. It's gonna be way better. Like we don't have to have political parties and division and we don't have to be the divided states of America anymore. No, we can be... One with him. Anyway, that's a message for another time. So when you understand what communion is, right? So we're just kind of doing a fast forward track here. It makes sense that communion isn't just for anybody, but communion is for people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. If you believe in God, all right, that's one thing. I just believe that there is a God. But, but communion says, not only do I believe that there's God, but I believe that that God is Jesus and that Jesus has provided a way for me to have right relationship with God. And is, as I believe that, as I've given him my life, as I've surrendered control, as the forgiveness of my sins and the new life I have has come because of his broken body and because of his blood, yes, I'm going to participate in this to remember who my Savior is. Communion is for believers. And essentially, when we partake of communion, every time that we do it, and some of you have been Christians and grown up in church and you've taken communion a lot of times, when we take this later in the service today, what we are saying to God through this action is we're saying yes to him. We're saying yes, I believe. Yes, I have faith. Yes, God, I want increased faith. God, I'm, I'm partaking of this. Let this be sustenance to move me forward and sustain me in my faith. Not only do I want to have increased faith, but I want to have increased faithfulness. I want to be more of what you've called me to be. I want the division between you and me to be lessened that we have become one. Communion. It's going, to be, it's going to be good. We're going to do that a little bit later. And so you may be here and you may say, you know, I've never taken communion before. Well, you are invited to communion if your attitude is saying, yes, 
to Jesus. So let's talk a little bit about this yes to Jesus. Uh, I believe that the best yes, which is, of course, the series, your best yes, is the one that you give to God. That if God is asking you to do something, if God has revealed himself to you, the best thing you can do is say yes to God. And why is that? Well, because God's not going to ask you to do something that's not good because he's a good God. He's not going to ask you to do something trivial or meaningless or just because he's a cruel God. No, no, no. He's a good God, and if he asks you to do something, it is for your benefit. It is the best thing that you can do. So your best yes is the one that you say to God. No matter how wild or crazy it may seem, yes to God is the best thing that you and I can offer him. And so if we are going to live a life that prioritizes our relationship with God, if that's going to be our top priority, we need to be very um, focused on what it is that we're saying yes to in this world. Because every day we have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And when we say yes to him, we're saying no to all of the other options available. So we're going to play a little game together. Because I know you love games. And, uh, and, and I'm a younger guy. I like to continue to think that. My wife reminds me that 40's coming. But listen, I still feel young. I still feel good. I went out and I ran yesterday. And it... it felt bad afterwards, but in the moment, I was like, yes, this is so good. Look at me exercising. Uh, I still hurt today. I will not be running again. I have a Garmin watch, and uh, it's cool. It has all this data, and I woke up this morning. It's like, you should rest. You uh, don't do any exercise today. You are overreaching. That's what it told me in your workouts. I was like, oh, no. I am younger than you know, Garmin. So we're going to play a little game together uh, because uh, it's fun, and the name of the game is called Yes or no. In case you're falling asleep, you're not now. Here's how this game is going to work, all right? I'm going to ask you a question, and after I ask you the question, you're going to look at the screen, and an image is going to appear. Based upon the question, you're going to answer yes or no, and you're going to answer loud enough for all to hear. Does everyone understand? Okay, that was a test. That's how this works. Okay, if you didn't say yes, that's how this works. All right, so there's going to be a question. Look at the picture. Answer. It's going to be great. You're going to get to know the people next to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready? Turn to your other neighbor and say, I love you too, but you were my second choice. Would you want this pet? No. <laughs> See, this is going to be a very fun game. This is going to be a very fun game. Hey, hey, would you watch this movie, a little Star Wars? Uh, all right, how about this one? How about this one? How about, would you watch this movie, The Notebook? <laughs> Some of you are like, why did I come to church today? Uh, let's get the younger people involved. Would you want to be a part of this Netflix show, Stranger Things? <laughs> Some of you are like, nah, nah, I know what that is. That's scary stuff. Uh, would, would, would you eat this, a uh, Whataburger value meal? <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't know. Patrick Mahomes would. That's good enough for me. Uh, would you like this gift, Super Bowl tickets? It depends a little bit on what happens this afternoon. I don't know. Uh, would you want to spend your vacation here in Tokyo, Japan? <laughs> it's free vacation, free vacation. <laughs> uh, would you drink this drink? Just a hot coffee. How I, 
<laughs> coffee fans, some of you are like, I do not like the hot drink. Uh, would you like to experience this? Skydiving. <laughs> Definitely two groups of people in this room. How many of you would want one of these? Oh, now wait. Wait, wait, wait. Before, you, before all the single ladies are like, a man? Yes. <laughs> Settle down. This is a private chef. How many of you would like a private chef? <laughs> all right, we got one more, one more, and this is the one that is going to be the, the, the most exciting, I'm sure. Um, would you eat dinner with this couple, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift? <laughs> they're paying, they're paying. Oh, all right, uh, let's do a little round of applause. Nice job, nice job playing the game, playing the game. All right, so here, here's the point of the game, right? So every single day, you and I say yes or no to things. Like every day, like which gas station do you want to go to? What do you want to eat? What clothes do you want to wear? What do you want to purchase at the store? What kind of toothbrush do you want? What kind of toothpaste do you want? What kind of deodorant do you want? What kind of shaving cream do you want? What kind of shampoo do you want? There's a million questions. And every day we're saying yes to some things and no to other things. And, and, and here's what we need to realize, and I shared this last week, anytime I'm saying yes to something in my life, I'm also at the same time saying no to something else. It's impossible to say yes to everything, so when I say yes to coming to church, I'm saying no to golfing. I can't do them at the same time, right? Some of you are like, I wouldn't do that, I'd just be at home sleeping. Okay, you said yes to waking up and coming in public and no to staying at home by yourself, right? So anytime we say yes, we're saying no to something else, which means our yes and our no's are connected. Did you see that magic act? It was awesome. Our yes and our no are connected, all right? I know that's one of my dad's tricks that he's passed along to me. My kids' minds are still blown. What? <laughs> yes and no, they're connected. Anytime I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something else. Now we have a God who loves us. We have a God who has a plan for our life. He, he has a better way for us to live. And if I say yes to God's plan for me, I am saying no to some other things. In fact, what I'm really saying no to is, is whatever my plans, my dreams, my hopes would be for my life. When I say yes to him, I'm saying no to anything that isn't his plan. God has an agenda. He has a plan for you. And the best yes is that we have is to say yes to his plan, but we do need to realize that we cannot say yes to God and yes to ourselves. Okay, this is really important because I think a lot of people have thought that I can become a Christian and I hang on to my agenda and what God does is he comes and just helps me do what I want to do. That's not how this works. And we got to be really clear on this point because being a Christian is not about God helping me do what I want. Being a Christian is about me surrendering and getting involved in what God's already doing. Okay, so, so we've got to think about this because I think in the natural, when we start to talk about this, if I'm saying yes to God and no to me, you and I, here's how we think about this. We think about this as a win-lose situation. That I'm, I've got to choose who's going to win. Am I going to let God win and I lose or am I going to win and is God going to lose? But here's the problem with that because that might work like if you think about your relationships and like there's two people and they have two agendas and one person's going to win, one person's going to lose. But when it comes to your relationship with God, it's not a win-lose situation. I hate to break it to you, you don't determine if God wins or not. 
You choosing yes to him, God's not like, whoo, I thought I was going to lose. Here's the truth. God wins no matter what you do. He is fine. He is not like a desperate boyfriend that really needs you. He is self-sustaining. He is just fine. But he loves you enough to invite you into something that you could never experience on your own. Before creation, before you and the world were ever a thought, there was God, his kingdom, his glory. At the end of time, after this world passes away, there will be God, his kingdom, his glory. He's winning no matter what. So now the question is not win-lose or win-lose. No, no, no. He wins no matter what. What do you want to do? I want to win. The only win that's available to me is to say yes to him. And when I say yes to him, that's not a loss for me. I don't lose. Because like in the natural, you say, well, I don't get to do what I want to do. But here's the truth. What you wanted to do wasn't good. It wasn't good for you. If it was good for you, that would have been God's plan for you. He had a better plan. So it's in faith that we are saying yes to him and believing that that is the best thing. Even if I can't see it, even if naturally I can't put all the pieces together. Yes to God is the best thing that you could do in your life. And I want to encourage every one of you to say yes to God. That's why in this series, over the past several weeks, we've been looking at people in the Bible who said yes to God. We started with Samuel. You guys remember little Samuel? He was hearing this voice. He didn't know what it was, but he had someone in his life that loved and cared enough about him to say, I believe that God is speaking to you. And so Samuel positioned his heart and he went to God and he said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And that attitude, that disposition, that alignment completely revolutionized his life. And as we look back at him, you know, Samuel was the man of God during his generation because he said yes to God. Then the next week we looked at Mary. Remember the angel Gabriel showed up and said, hey, God's got an awesome plan and you're going to be included in it. Here's what it's going to mean. You're going to get pregnant. She's like, what? I think that's exactly what she was thinking. What? <laughs> and the angel was like, listen, it's, 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 it's going to be cool. Like, here's how this is going to work. And at the end of all of it, do you remember Mary's response? She says, I am the Lord's servant. There was God's agenda. There was her agenda. You remember, she was getting ready to get married. Like, she probably said yes to the dress. Like, she's got some dreams. She's got some vision. But now all of a sudden, I'm going to be pregnant out of wedlock. My reputation's online. She didn't care. She said yes to God. It wins. And my agenda, it's replaced with God's agenda. I am the Lord's servant. Whatever he wants, I'm in. No matter what God would have said, I'm the Lord's servant. I serve at his request. Whatever he wants, I'm in. That's the attitude we're to have. If we're saying yes to Jesus, it's that same thing. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. I am the Lord's servant. I'm doing this. No matter if I understand it or not, I'm in. And, and then last week we looked at uh, Peter. We all like Simon Peter. He was the outspoken disciple. He was the fisherman, you know. He had an opinion about things. And he was kind of semi-following God. There's this crazy moment. Jesus is speaking to this crowd of people. He steps into a boat. He preaches to the people. The boat happened to be Simon Peter's. He says, hey, Simon, why don't we take this boat out? We're going to go fishing. Simon's like, we don't fish, man. 
not in the middle of the day, and not after your loud voice has been out here talking to these thousands of people, the fish ain't here. And I'm tired anyway, and I fished all night. But Peter said this, but because you said it, because it was you, Jesus, it doesn't make any sense to me, but I'll do it. And as he went and he cast the nets a second time, the glory of God showed up in a miraculous catch. Miracle. And what was Peter's response to God's revelation? The Bible says that once that boat got back, he left everything and followed Jesus. He left the fish. He left the career. He left his expertise. The New King James says that he forsook everything. I gave it all up. We used to sing in the church, I surrender all. All. That is all. Well, I just thought I was just going to surrender my Sunday morning set. No. <laughs> I surrender all. All to thee. I surrender. That's what it means to say yes to Jesus. Let's put it up in a diagram. I like diagrams. These are fun diagrams. A lot of times, what we try to do is this picture on the left. My world revolves around me. Everything's about me, my career, my money, my exercise, my family, my friends, my hobbies. I do these things, and I choose to do these things because they make me feel good. I like them. And if something isn't like I want, I change it to make me feel happier. But sometimes we have a void in our life and an emptiness, and we don't feel like it's ever quite working. And then we think, oh, maybe what's missing is God. So we insert God into our life, and we expect God to help me to feel better about my life and enjoy life and to have fulfillment. And, and that's not Christianity. That's called, uh, the Bible talks about it. it's a form of godliness, but it doesn't have any power. Well, I'm a Christian. Well, you are by label. You've labeled yourself that way, but do you have God's Holy Spirit inside of you, changing you, transforming you? Are you living the life he wants? See, here's how it works. God is not willing to just be in your life. If you think, well, I have God in my life, but he's not number one. Hate to break it to you. He's not in your life. Uh, the way that we used to say it is like this, is that he is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. He's either running the show or he's not involved. And you say, well, what kind of God is this that would have that kind of place, that he wouldn't just be meeting me where I want to be? No, he'll meet you where you want to be, but it requires surrender. See, he deserves the number one spot because he gave his number one in order to have you. He gave his one and his only son he gave the ultimate sacrifice. The least that we can do is give him the number one position. He's already exampled for us what to do. We give our best. And so when we go to this diagram, what God desires is to be the center, that your world revolves around him, that I have surrendered all. It's all to him. I've said yes to him. Now my money, my exercise, my family, my friends, my hobbies, my career. God, what do you want? I'm willing to do whatever you want. I am the Lord's servant. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. It's not about me and about my happiness and about my pleasure. It's about you. I'm all in. What do you want, God? What do you want? If Jesus isn't Lord of all, he isn't Lord at all. And when we say yes to God's agenda for our life, we are saying no to our agenda. And this is a hard message, and it's a message that some people don't like, and it makes them uncomfortable when we start to talk about this. But if you miss this, you miss what Christianity is really all about. And if you miss what Christianity is all about, guess what? That whole, like, payoff at the end where you get heaven for return, that doesn't happen. 
How unloving would it be for me to know what it actually takes to go to heaven and not tell you? I care about you too much. Like, you may not see that I care. You may not see that I love you, but I do so much so that I've committed my life to this. How many of you would like to stand up in front of people and tell them that they're living in sin and that the best way is to say yes to God? (laughs) Nobody wants to do this. Now, I'm not saying turn or burn, but, you know, there is an element of that in there. Like, that's part of the message. Now, I try to always speak the truth in love. Like, I'm not a jerk. I'm not going to just stand on the corner with a sign, you know. No, I care about you. And, and, and I know what God has done for me, and I'm not special. He wants to do the same thing for you. I want you to share in my master's happiness. It's the best thing ever. But we have to let the, the, the rubber meet the road. What does it really mean for me to say yes to Jesus? We can talk about it in theory. We can talk about, yeah, I'm going to step over the line of faith. I like those terms. But, but what does that mean? It means that I am committing. When I become a Christian, I'm committing to saying yes to Jesus, not just today, but every single day for the rest of my life. Which means that when I accepted the Lord as a young person, when I turned 16 and I had freedom and I could drive and go wherever I wanted and do whatever I wanted and sneak behind my parents' back, I had to still continue to choose to say yes to Jesus. It wasn't about obeying my parents, it was about Jesus because Jesus was with me and the presence of God was with me and I did not want to do things that would be displeasing to him. And he wasn't trying to stop me from having fun. I got invited to go to the parties, but God knew it's not good for you to go to the parties because you're gonna end up with baggage and pain and issues and addictions and I don't want that for you. I have a better plan for you, son. That's what my God said. And so I have to say yes to him. When I first said yes to Jesus as a kid, I didn't know I was gonna have to say that yes at 16. When I got into being in my 20s and there's plenty of opportunity for me to date and to fool around with girls, but God says, I don't think that's good for you. I don't want you to do that. Then I was still committed to saying yes to him. As I continue to go through my life, there's more and more things that I'm going to be faced with that I didn't know I was saying yes to, but now that he's revealed that this is a yes, yes, I'm still in. There will never be a no to God. It's yes from here on. And so when we start, you're saying yes to everything you know. You already know some things that you're doing you should stop. Stop it. You know some things you should start doing. Start doing them. And then guess what? As you go through life, you're going to learn new things. Oh, that's wrong. I didn't know that was wrong. Okay, stop doing it. But I've been doing it all along. Don't worry about it. Just start today. Yes to Jesus every step along the way. So I'm going to get as practical as I can because I don't want you to miss this. So important. If I believe in myself, if I believe it's okay to lie when it doesn't hurt anyone, if that's what I believe, but God never lies, according to Hebrews 6, 18, and he detests lying lips, then I have to take what I believe and move it under him. I have to change what I believe. Well, it doesn't hurt anybody to lie. He says it does, so I don't lie to people anymore. I have to adjust. I have to align. You don't like this word, but it's the word. I have to submit myself to him. Colossians 3.9 says, don't lie to each other. For you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Before you said yes to God, you could do that. But like now that you're in the kingdom, now that you're following me, we don't lie to one another. We don't do that. 
Jesus says, Matthew 5, 37, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't be lying. Proverbs 12, 22, the Lord detests, that's not good, lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. When I say yes to Jesus, I don't get to continue to embrace what I believed. I change what I believe and I submit it to him. Let's, let's do another one. If I believe that I don't need to forgive other people because what they did was so wrong to me that it's okay for me to hold on to bitterness and anger and resentment, but then I find out that God says to forgive each other as I've forgiven you, guess what? I don't get to hang on to my little pity party anymore. I have to forgive. I have to release it. I have to say that the debt that is owed to me is no longer owed. I submit my beliefs to his beliefs. I change my mind. That's what the word repentance really means. It's a change of mind. I no longer think the way I thought. I think this way. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32, it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, Here's how we're going to be when we're saying yes to Jesus, kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Amen. So we don't have a full message here on forgiveness, but we'll do this. When you think about forgiveness, who's the first person that comes to mind? All right, that's somebody you need to probably think about forgiving. That's how this works. You're like, was that God? Probably that's God. That's how he works. You thought of it, now you need to deal with it, all right? There's accountability now, so what are we going to do with it? Now, if you first thought about forgiveness and you thought about how great the sin is that was forgiven of you, awesome. Now, thank God for that. That's a good thing. We should be thankful, like you don't deserve that. All right, well, but pastor, let's say that I, I believe that God doesn't really care who I have sex with. Like, I don't really know who I'm hurting with this. Uh, and crazy enough, research shows that half of American Christians uh, say that casual sex between consenting adults is um, sometimes or always acceptable. Okay, so, so we got, you know, we got a lot, like, you know, we got like 50% of people that, like, the majority says. But, but, but God says that he does care about who we have sex with. And that's a huge deal to him with major consequences. And that God believes that sexuality needs to have boundaries and the established boundaries he's created is called marriage. Well, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to do that. Well, you're not saying yes to God. If you're saying yes to God, you're submitting your will to his will. If you're not submitting your will to his will, you never said yes to God. The world talks a lot about sex all the time, but God has the best plan for sexuality. And everything God says and intends for us is for our benefit. It is for us to live the abundant life. He's not here just to squash you from having fun or stop you from doing it. No, no, no. It's not good for you, whether you realize it or not. He loves you enough to create some boundaries and rules for you. Ephesians 5.3 says, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Well, Pastor Alex, you know, I, I believe that pornography isn't that big a deal. Like, who's it hurting? Well, wait, wait. Jesus says that you need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ that your thoughts determine the direction of your life. And so, and Jesus says in Matthew 5, 28, but I say anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then the women are like, oh, good, I'm off the hook. No, women, you struggle with pornography too. You're not to look at others with lust. Colossians 3, 2 says that we are to think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. Side point for 
for this, because we don't preach on this every week, watching porn can harm you. It promotes isolation from others. It leads to addiction. It can ruin your mind and your conscience. It inaccurately portrays relationships and sex. It simultaneously brings feelings of enjoyment and shame, which is kind of confusing. It, uh, it's an industry that participates in sex slavery, and it can cause you to begin to view other humans as objects of lust rather than humans created in the image of God. It's not good for you. God doesn't want you to do it. It's not because he's trying to stop you from having fun. It's because it's not good for your soul. Proverbs 4.23 in the Common English Bible, it says that more than anything you guard, protect your mind, for life flows from it. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, run. I like that. Run. In case you guys want to know if that's in the Bible, go run. Run (laughs) from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Well, Pastor Alex, you know, I, I, believe, I believe that I can overcome my sins on my own. I don't need to talk to anybody about my sexual problems or my pornography. I don't need to talk about the fact that I have a lying habit. No, I don't need to do that. I, I think I'll just, you know, me and the Holy Spirit, we're, we're going to work through it. B- but God says that we are to confess our sins one to another. So, oh, but I don't want to. Okay, submit. The yes to Jesus is a yes to doing what he said. But it's going to be uncomfortable. Maybe. But, you know, James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? Oh, so that you may be healed. How many times you prayed? Oh, God, forgive me for doing that again. I never want to do it again. And then like four days later, oh, God, I did it again. God, please forgive me for doing that. And now it's been like four years. Maybe you should go confess to somebody. Because what you're doing ain't working. Because it's your agenda, not God's agenda. Okay. Pick any topic you want. We can talk about abortion. We can talk about euthanasia. We can talk about genetic engineering. We can talk about couple punishment. We can talk about divorce. We can talk about gambling. We can talk about money. We can talk about politics. We can talk about ecology and the environment. As soon as you find out what God says about something, whatever you believed gets to move over into alignment with him. That's the yes that we say. You're like, I didn't know that God had a perspective on ecology. Well, okay. As soon as you get that revelation, submit. It doesn't matter the topic. If my opinion and my agenda is not the same of God's, then I must be willing to align myself with him, adjust my way of thinking, my feelings to be in step with him. Because we have to do things Jesus' way if we want to have Jesus' results. In our life, we can go and do things our way or we can do them the Lord's way. Our way gets us our results. God's way gets us God's results. And Jesus shoots it straight with us when he says you cannot serve two masters. Your yes and your no are connected. And the commitment to being a Christian is that I will follow him and say yes to him no matter what. But sadly, Christianity for so many people has become increasingly a matter of freely determined conviction. It's all about how I feel. But saving faith and new life is found when you tap out. You guys ever watch MMA? It's weird. It's weird. My parents like it. I know it's weird. (laughs) I I was exposed to it in my home. Yeah. Uh, You get these people and they get in these submission holds. 
And then, you know, they can't breathe. And so then they, they tap out. Listen, good news for you, God's not going to put you in a submission hold. <laughs> but he wants you to voluntarily tap out. I give up. I'm not fighting. I'm not resisting. God, I surrender. God, I'm not going to resist you. God, I'm going I'm to submit to who you are. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25 in the, the message paraphrase, it says this, that since this is the kind of life we've chosen, the life of the Spirit, so I've said yes to God, then let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. This is what I'm asking you to do. It's not just yes because I kind of like Jesus and it's this sentiment no, 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 it's not just a thought. No, my life is different because I said yes to him. So, communion. It's the opportunity that we have by an outward action to say yes to Jesus, that I want to be faithful I want to have increased faith and increased faithfulness to you, God. I want to embrace your forgiveness of my sins. I want to live sin for I want to live the life that you have for me. As you take your cup, there's a small cellophane top. If you pull that back, that'll expose the bread. You can pull that off. There's a larger tab. When you pull that back, that'll open the cup. Those of you joining us online, go ahead and get your food items ready. This morning, you may say, you know, I haven't said yes to God, but I, I want to. Some church services, there could be an altar call in which you run to the altar and you surrender your life to Christ. Here's how we're going to do it today. If you want to say yes to God, partake of communion. Say, God, I want you. I want your broken body. I want your forgiveness of sins. I want to say yes to you, and not just in this moment, but every day from here on out. And by you partaking of communion today, that is the beginning of your new life in Christ. That I want to be one with him. And dude, there's something awesome that happens. The Bible says that God's Holy Spirit's going to invade your heart. You ain't going to go through life alone anymore. I'll never leave you or forsake you. That promise, it becomes real when you say yes to Jesus. It's life-changing. It's the most exciting thing you could ever do. So with the bread in your hand, in John 6, we read that Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die, but will live forever. If you want to live forever in right relationship with God, would you partake of the bread? And with the cup in your hand, we read in Hebrews 9 that according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And in 1 John 1, we read that if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and that the blood that this cup represents of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
If you want that cleansing, you want to be forgiven. Whatever your past is, whatever bad things you've done, whatever things keep you up at night, whatever things are shameful that you don't bring up, Jesus died on a cross to forgive you of those things. And if you want that forgiveness and the new life that he has, would you partake of the cup? And we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, we started with this passage, that every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. He's coming, friends. We are announcing his death is good because it has set us free. After Jesus and his disciples ate the bread and drank the cup after this object illustration, it said that they sang a hymn and they went out. We don't know what song they sang. Amazing Grace wasn't written, but they sang some song. It was a hymn. I don't know if they could sing. I love when I get around men who are willing to sing in church. There's not very many of them because it's not good. If you've heard me sing, it's not good. But you know what I have? I have volume, and I will bring volume to the table. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to today follow the disciples' actions. We're going to sing a hymn, and then we're going to go out. Can you not focus on the chiefs and ravens for the next few minutes? Can you remember the price that Jesus paid? And as you're saying yes to him, we want to just sing a song to him. So here in a moment... It's going to be weird. I'm just going to put a song on the screen. The guy's going to play the guitar, and there's going to be words. You may know the song. You may not. It's an old hymn. As we stand, I encourage you to sing. Maybe you'll close your eyes, and you will continue to have a conversation with God that just began when you partook of communion and which you said yes to God. Maybe you need to go ahead and talk to him. Maybe you need to express gratitude and thanks to him for what he's done. Maybe you just need to let the words of the song speak to your heart. There's what we're going to call a freedom of worship in this moment, right? That you can connect with God. So you have your own personal little spot, your sanctuary that you're going to connect with him. Maybe you're going to put your hands open. I don't know, but I want you to connect with who the Lord is. So when we're done, Missy, you're going to dismiss the service. How great is that? So I am going to turn my mic off, and I'm going to join you, and we're all going to worship the Lord. So would you stand with me, and Billy, would you, you turn that song on as we sing, All Creatures of Our God and King.
Thank you for listening to this message. For more information, please visit newlifekc.com.